welcome back to another episode of The Devil Wears Rossonero, the official podcast of the AC Milan offside from SB Nation. Uh, at SBN Rossonero, at Stoll underscore P is where you can get a hold of us. I'm Patrick Stoll alongside Tim Fontenot. And if you were waiting for the one week where you can just sit back and relax and not get stressed out about AC Milan news. You got it. Congratulations. I hope you enjoyed the international break in all its boring clarity as we sat here and, frankly, I was waiting for some sort of news to pop up. And it it never, you know, I'm, I'm still waiting. I, nothing has happened. Um, very, very dry international break, unless you're a Valencia fan or a Barcelona fan, I guess, or a U.S. men's national team fan, which uh, more on that, hopefully never. Um, but <laughs> True. On, on that note, I'll bring in my boy Tim Fontenot. Tim, how are you, buddy? How have you spent your international break? Ah, international break. It's always fun. Um, For me, it's a little busy because obviously over at work, we're doing highlights for all the European games, some of the US and South American games. But it's it's generally a boring week where you're just hoping for club football to come back because you realize there's too many international games. So just a chance to kind of recharge after these long two weeks to start the Serie A season and now we're back and I mean you know just my highlights of the international break were Kevin De Bruyne assisting out of his mind (laughs) uh Ronaldo can't stop scoring uh Kosovo made England sweat for about 60 seconds speaking of Kosovo real quick yeah. Do you see their coaches press conference before the oh England game? Oh my god. That was that the guy, that was the highlight of the international break. If you need a guy to motivate you to run through a brick wall, like that's the guy. And I don't know if you would be motivated or scared. And I would be you, scared. Oh, one it's for me it's a little mixture of both. Like yeah, I'd probably be amped out of my mind, but half of the adrenaline would probably be this dude's actually going to hurt me. Yeah. Because one of my favorite parts was when he, like there's a video of him at halftime when he basically was like, you guys played terribly. And he's just losing his mind. And then he turns and he sees the camera and just has this sheepish like, oh, I wasn't doing anything. Yeah. Grin on his face. <laughs> and it was like, you might need help. Yeah. Um. So, I mean... This is the sad state that we're in. We're talking about the manager of Kosovo <laughs> in the international break. But yeah, I mean, outside of that, as a U.S. men's national team fan, I am eternally disappointed and a glutton for punishment. Very same. Um, just not, just, I mean, and I know you tuned into the podcast to hear some AC Milan. We'll get to it in a second. But as a fellow uh, AC Milan and U.S. fan, um the u.s like we're bad yeah like we're really we, we're not good let me uh actually let me sum up the international break for me personally in a much better way please do um anyone who listens knows i'm also a diehard orlando city fan 
Uh-oh. The highlight for the last week and a half for me has been getting a draw against a half half strength LAFC team that we were beating at home, gave up a goal in the final 10 minutes. And even after the disappointment of giving up that goal, I was like, this is awesome. Like, oh, yeah, you'll take that. I'll take it. That's that's where I was at during the international break because what am I going to do? Get excited about the, the start to the Milan season where we lost at Udinese and, hey, cool, we ended up holding on against Brescia. Am I supposed to get excited about the U.S. national team being absolute pants? Like, the women's <laughs> team has a different international break, so I couldn't get excited about that. I actually did get to go to the women's game in Philadelphia a couple weeks ago, which was Ooh. absolutely amazing. Incredible experience. Love going to women's games. Highly recommend it. Um, going to an NWSL game in a few weeks. I'm really excited about that, even though it's the two worst teams in the league. But yeah, that's, that's fine. all right. Go Pride. Um, yeah. <laughs> International breaks. They're, they're the best. I mean, we finally get CONCACAF Nations League next month. But Oh. Well, the one thing about the Nations League, and I think it's the same thing with the European Nations League, is that right now we're all like, oh, God, here we go. Yeah. But, like, it kind of builds up, and you're actually like, you know what? I kind of dig this. Because, yeah. like, there's something instead of nothing. And, like, Switzerland and Wales can't just nope out of stuff and get high rankings. If not for the UEFA Nations League, would we really be saying that the Netherlands are back? I think that's a good point. Yeah, they've had these couple matches against Germany where they've been pretty good in qualifying. Electric. Uh, Yeah, I mean, those games have been so much fun. And, obviously, this last game, they were incredible. Um, But... It was during the Nations League. Where we're like, hey, 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 guys, look, like they're actually like they're actually doing what the Dutch are supposed to do. I am a fan of watching the Netherlands play because they are whatever formation they run. I can't even like I don't even know what formation they run because Van Dyke just does whatever. Yeah. Like remember against Germany in the spring, the one that relegated Germany in the Nations League. Weird oh, sentence. Yeah. Um. Again, how can you not love that competition? Exactly. The the relegation and promotion, I don't know. It's almost like promotion and relegation should be everywhere. Yes. <laughs> Shade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you. Um, but it, like someone had like a picture of the piece of paper that was handed to Virgil van Dyke. And it basically was like the formation and just move Van Dyke all the way up. <laughs> and it was like, go ahead. Yeah. And then he was the one that scored the goal. And I'm like, all right, you know what? I have no idea what position he plays in. Yeah. And, and he's going to win the Ballon d'Or. Oh, for sure. And I, I love that that whole thing happened with him moving forward because that team is complete except for, you know, maybe you can strengthen the fullback position, but outside of a number nine. Like if they had if they had a proper number nine like they have been so famous for in the past, man, we're talking about a team that that's that's a team with a target on its back at Euro twenty twenty, and that's also a I would love to see the Dutch have a number nine because I feel like that would be someone that we could then reach out to. Fact. You know, hey, hey, be our new Van Basten. Just just come come do that for us. <laughs> I well. I mean, if only they had a player like Fabio Barini 
Because then, I mean, ooh, ooh. that like shut it down. You mean Milan's backup sweeper? Fabio yeah, Verini? backup goalkeeper too, uh, Fabio Verini. Um, <laughs> but so getting back to um, getting a little a little back on track here. Besides the uh, the U.S. <laughs> men's national team being absolute shambles, um, AC Milan. You know, we're back in action. Uh, against Verona and it's weird because we are in this stage with AC Milan where we say I am excited for club football to come back from the international break but am I am I really because I, I I'm very like all right, it's back, but like, am I? I'm excited for club football. Yes. Am I excited for AC Milan to play? Yes. Am I excited to watch AC Milan play? No, not really. I mean, it's just very, very like, look, like you know the the hype coming into your U.S. men's national team versus Uruguay. It's very like, yeah. Well, I guess this is happening. Like, it, it feels very low key. And Verona just standings update, and this is not what anyone wants to hear. Uh, Verona currently placed seventh in the table with four points, and uh, AC Milan currently tied for thirteenth. Well, it's they're in thirteenth. They have three points. Sassuolo is in eighth. They have three points. But Verona is actually ahead of us. If it makes you feel better, Verona have already been knocked out of Coppa Italia. Oh, sweet. Okay. They lost to Cremonese, which is currently 12th in Serie B. All right. Well, I, did, I didn't I yeah. did know that. So, there you go. That's You know what? I'll take that. I just found out 10 seconds ago, in fairness. <laughs> yeah, this is actually... I mean, that's... I get... I mean, a moral blow? That that will we'll take that. Um, fun fact, Verona has Giampaolo Pazzini. Every Serie A club has one of those for... Uh, a, a Milan expat, if you would. Uh, I'm looking through their roster. Um, not, uh, you know, excuse me if this sounds a little ignorant. Not a lot of names I'm recognizing. No. Not... I looked through their team against Lecce, and I saw, obviously, Pazzini, who didn't make an appearance. Um, outside of him, Marco Silvestri in the goal has been around forever. Miguel Veloso is a familiar name. And yeah, Darko Lazovic. And that was about it. That's all I got. I, I, I feel bad that I don't have more to say about Verona, but the I don't know. This game feels very, like, bleh. Like, okay, well, we're definitely going to play this game. But then again, I think we should get more excited, and I think we need a little more energy in this game and i hope that the ac milan players are more hyped than i am because this week is a tune-up for next week which is inter and that is going to be a hype and a half like that is going to be awesome but (laughs) right now it's just like we we need to get our ducks in a row and this needs to be the game to do it. I think part of the problem is the way the Serie A schedule is set up and the way the league starts later than everyone else. We only had the two games, and then all of a sudden you're on international break. So it's like we got out of syllabus week, and then we have a week-long vacation from school. Like, what are we doing? Like, this, The season should have started two weeks earlier. You should have already had four games. 
So they should have been going into the international break on the back of the Derby, which, I mean, however that game ends, you've had now four games under your belt. You have some sort you have some form of momentum because either you just won the Derby and you're buzzing because you just pulled off a massive victory or you got embarrassed by a team that is definitely better than you. And you obviously feel worse every time you lose to enter. So let's go out and fix it. And so, I don't know. I just, it seems like we barely had a chance to get into a groove. And now all of a sudden we have to step up big time. Frankly, I'm very glad that this is like, that this is the game that we're coming out of the international break from, right? Because if we were coming out of the international break to enter zero confidence, right? Cause we, we, looked shambolic against Udinese. We looked rusty, if not fine, against Brescia. If we were coming, and then we have the international break, and like you said, just resets everything, right? So this is going to be, the the chances of this being an attractive game is zero. This is not, because we already weren't looking great, and now they're coming back from international break and they're still trying to figure out what they're doing. And they're probably gassed a little bit. Like, the most break they're going to get is after the Verona game. And I'm I, I'm glad that it's Verona now. Because, like I said before, this is a good tune-up opportunity. This is a good chance for... Alright. Like, and, and I'm not saying that Verona are a pushover team. But what I'm saying is they are not Inter. They've also played probably two of the least entertaining or quality football matches of the season so far. Their draw against Bologna, which they were very lucky to draw that game. And then leaving it late against Lecce in the absolute definition of a like a toilet bowl in college football. Yeah, I'm glad that we can at least have one more chance to get everything right, right? And we're not going to. It's not, my expectations are disappointingly low because I'm just trying to think like, okay, really, the only thing we can do is get the best player. (laughs) Jar. Throw a coin in the jar. Jar. Best players on the field in their best positions. And that's it. That's really all you can do, and let them do that, right? You can't, like, now isn't tinker time, right? Now is, like, again, because we don't get another international break for th- three weeks. So, so we got we to gotta make this happen, folks, because also, fun fact, Inter, and this hurts to say, has Champions League next week. So we don't play midweek. They play midweek. All right? We got to take advantage of that. We got to get three points against Verona in Verona and then come home to have the home version of the Derby. And it, it sounds so weird that we're just completely approaching this game in the shadow of the Derby. But, I mean, that's what this is. This is, a, a again, this is a tune-up. This is get back from international break healthy success right we're we're back healthy at least for the most part and get get them back in get them back into it 
put the best players in their best positions, and let's make it happen. I, I don't know, I mean, who... I mean, this seems like an obvious question. Who do you need to see in this game? Because I have my guy that I, I have a couple that I absolutely need to see in this game. But I think you might have the same guy as me. The one that I need to see? Ooh. I'm going to say... The problem is, I feel like Chalanolu is going to start. Um, I'd want to see Paqueta. Because I feel like... I don't, we haven't seen a lot of him so far this season. And I feel like he has a lot to give. Especially if I want my hot take to come true. But... I don't know. I want to see... or I need to see Piotek. And I need to see Piotek score. At least one. I think that is just baseline what the expectation needs to be for him this week. I don't know. Like, I think that the lineup is pretty much going to write itself this week. And I think it's going to be the exact same thing we saw against Brescia. Um, I doubt we're going to see Rebic from the start. Um, I think he's going to keep Castileo in there. Although this... This would be a great game to get 75 to 90 minutes for Rafael Leal. Like if you if there was a game to bleed him, this is the game. Um, I but you know I can't trust Gianpaolo's fascination with Castileo, so I think that we're gonna maybe see a cameo from Leal at this point. Um, yeah, I think we're going to see pretty much the same lineup. So I would like to see another good game from Chalinolu. I would like to see Benacer, like he did in the international break as well, just boss the midfield. But I need to see Piatek score. And then I want to see Paquetel off the bench for about 25. I want to see Leal from the start, but I won't get it. Um, that's about all I got for this game. So I'm looking at the lineup against Brescia, right? And I am assuming that we will run the Christmas tree again. Um, that That's an assumption. Uh, I don't know if... Could, I, I'm afraid that Giampaolo is going to give another formation a shot, right? I'm afraid that he's going to be like, all right, let's do a 4-3-3 this time. And then he'll basically pick the best for Inter, and I don't think that makes any sense. So if we're running the Christmas tree, let's go with the Christmas tree. Donnarumma, Calabria, Musacchio, Romagnoli, Rodriguez. That writes itself. We're not going to be talking anything different. Uh, I have heard... Now, I have heard Teo Hernandez um, starting in place of Rodriguez for this game. Um, I mean, if healthy, I, like, I get it. Um, and... If you want to, especially because Rodriguez is coming back from captaining Switzerland, I believe. Um, if, if he is still captain. Um, but I think I think that writes itself. Um, Romagnoli, who we will get into for a couple minutes in a little bit. But yes, he is international class. Um, Kessie, that's a lock. Benacer, that's a lock. One of my must-see guys is Benacer, just because I, I, I'm I, with you. I need to see him have another game where he just bosses the midfield. 
I have a lot of confidence in him already. Uh, my Milan hot take, shout to Peter Coyley, uh, was that Benacer is going to be our breakout and our young player of the season. Uh, I think we're on a good pace for that. I just need to see him because I need my weekly fix of Benacer. <laughs> yep, I just need to see him. Um, I think Chalunoglu will start. Um, I would like to see Pakita earlier than I did last week. Um, whether that means starting him or not, I need to see more Pakita. Um, I need to see no Castillejo. <laughs> I need to see no Barini, our backup center back. And uh, Suso's going to be there. He's going to be in the right spot. Good. But I need to see him in that, like, put him there and keep him there. That's it. Like, leave him, let him do, let him do the thing there. Uh, <laughs> players in their best positions. Um, and fun fact, against Brescia, our striker was Andre Silva. Oh, right. So we're not going to see the same lineup. Holy crap, I forgot about that. And before before I get into the striker for a second, since the guy coming the other way was Rebic, yes, I want to see Rebic. No, I don't think we're going to. Do I need to see him this game? No. Would I like to? Yeah. And I think he'll have like 15 minutes at the end. I think he'll go in around 75 or 80. And I think he'll just kind of like, get your feet underneath you, you'll you'll be fine. I think that's going to happen. I don't need to see him this game. But if he makes a big impact, yeah, I'd be, I'd be down to for him to start. Um, although, as it stands, I'll take him over Casiejo. That's fine. Um, so for striker, um, I need... Piontek out there and like I want Liao to start but I need Piontek to score I want Liao to start because what I saw of him against Udinese was good what I saw against Brescia was nothing because he didn't come in the game so I need Liao in this game but I need Piontek to get on the field and score because I need him to really, like, I, I need him in form because I need him doing the finger guns at Inter. Fact. Like, desperately. Um, I need that. I need him also doing the shush to the curve of Nord um, based on what we talked yes. about last time. I need him shushing the curve of Nord regardless of what they say. I just need him doing that. <laughs> Um, and that will be a uh, su- incorporated somehow into my uh, Twitter picture. Um, I, I'm still trying to figure out how I can make my uh, who I should make my last name uh, as we go on in the season. Uh, last year I had, and these are all freezing cold takes, by the way. Um, uh, Stolguain. <laughs> I had Bacastolo. That was the best one. Um, and then, yeah, I mean that I I was I was really pleased with that. Um, and I don't think I had any others. Uh, just because then we started playing like crap. 
and I was done. So uh, I'm, I'm trying to find a reason. Um, it, it might be Stolacere. Stolabria. Cast Stolalejo was mine at one oh, point. Yeah. Um, which I also liked a lot um, just because it fits so well. Oh, for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, Stolacere. Um, I'm trying to find a Piantech one and Liao if necessary. I'm working on these. These are things that while I sit on my, at my second job in a coffee shop, I just sit there and try and think of puns that I can do with my name. I've got a Piantech one for you. Go ahead. Cool. Because his nickname, at well, based on the celebration, is El Pistolero. Ooh. El Pistolero. Ooh, I dig that. See, this is... This yeah. is good content. This is good stuff. I like this. <laughs> um, but but back to the lineup. I, I need to I I need to see Liao because sitting him for the entire game was weird. I didn't like it, and especially in favor of Andre Silva. However, I am convinced. This is my conspiracy theory. I'm convinced that Giampaolo knew that Andre Silva was going to be out, so he started him so that he could rest his guys. Interesting. Like completely. Like, he knew that Andre Silva was going to be sold a couple days later, so let me get as much time out of him as humanly possible. And if I have my facts right, he subbed him out. When did he sub out Andre Silva? That was... 61st minute. Yes. Okay, so that's that's not as... That doesn't hold as much water because he subbed him out kind of midway through. But... I'm convinced that's basically like give him a rest, but Liao doesn't need any more rest. No. Let's get him out there, and then when you sub him out, inevitably in like the 65th minute, uh, let's get Piantec a goal so we can get this, get the train moving again. That's who I want, and that's who I need. Uh, and again, the formation. I I don't want to get bent out of shape about the formation. Um, I don't want to. Uh, I see myself getting very frustrated by the formation if we don't win this game. But, you know, if it works, you know, you know, put something else in the jar again. As long as they're in their best positions, I don't really care what the formation is. You know, Suso writes himself into the right. Benacer locks himself there. Kessie there. Paketa slash Chalanoglu. Unfortunate that we can't get them both on the field, but that's where they're going to be. So three-person midfield, four-person back. All right, Suso on the right. You have two more spots. What are you going to do, right? Not Cassiejo, and hopefully not our backup uh, midfielder, Fabio Barini. And like I said last week, the, the formation kind of evolved on the pitch. Or not evolved, like the shape, the shape evolved based on the situation too. So like when they were moving forward and when they were at their best attacking, it did almost look like a 4 two three one with you know with the wingers out there with someone sitting in behind and then Benacer and Kessier moving into supporting positions in the midfield to cover that space so I mean it's we can look at what a formation looks like on paper and stuff like that but in you know I think it's now set up for Suso to move out to the right and then Chalinolu or Pocketed to drop into that left wing from the midfield and I, I I think that'll be fine for sure. Yeah, I think I think it'll work out. And again, 
my expectations for Milan just kind of as a whole are are disappointingly low. Um, I expect a win. Um, yep. I demand a win. I demand a win. <laughs> uh, we need it. I want it. Um, I really am hoping that we get to pull. You know, I I, I also need it not to be one nil. I need it to be like, I need, like I need three nil. Like feed me a three nil with Pakita being at least one. Or well, yeah, Pakita being one would be nice. What I really mean is Piantek. Um, I I just need a, a comprehensive, good performance. I need the midfield to be strong. I need the attack to be like I don't know functioning. Our defense has been fine. But we need a win here so that going into Inter, we're in good shape. And honestly, that's really what I'm looking for. That's my expectation. And, I mean, b- before we wrap it up, so b- before we get to, I mean, one of our last things, that's how little we have to talk about. Um, prediction for the game. I'm going to say it ends 2-0. I, I also want a 3-0, as you said. Uh, basically the phrase that's been going through my head is don't F up. And I mean, that's pretty much all I can say about this game is get the job done, make it, make it clear that you are the better team on that pitch. They'll probably struggle to do that. Um, and as is tradition, as is tradition, no suspensions, no injuries going into the Derby and go into the Derby with some momentum. Please, I mean, I've, I'm not expecting a win next week, but I want them to go in there and give it a game, and I feel like they need to get a convincing win here to go into that game with some form of confidence. I completely agree. I think what we what we need, and, and what I'm what I'm thinking is, I do think it's going to be. I'll go two 0 as well. Well. I I don't think it's going to be one, and we're not getting three. My score is two nil as well. I I, I don't I, I hate repeating scores, right? But like, it it just seems right. Although two one, but I'm I'm gonna go positivity. Um, positivity pod. <laughs> pod positivity podcast. Um, I'll go two nil as well. Uh, I need a straightforward, comprehensive. Uh, front to back, top to bottom win. Uh, see, I covered all the bases there. Um, I, I just need them to play well, because they are the better team. They should play like it. Are they going to play like it the whole time? Absolutely not. That No chance. Um, there's going to be a stretch of about 20 minutes where we're all going to be banging our heads into our walls again. It's like, what is going on? Right? It's going to happen. And I think that's going to be from minute five to minute 25, where we're just going to be an absolute disaster show out there. But I think they're going to get together. I think they'll win. I think they'll, the scoreline will reflect how much of a better team they are. I think it's going to be 2-0. Um, one of the few things that's come up over the international break is we're linked to Everton again. Um, the, the winger, that Everton, not the club Everton. Um, although it would be actually pretty interesting if we bought Everton, um, that would be weird. As someone who supports Everton in the Premier League, I would feel really weird. Really, about that. just odd, right? 
Um, but no, yeah. so the, the Brazilian winger Everton, uh, who we actually mentioned a couple weeks ago on the podcast, um, apparently reports say that he would be a, quote, perfect fit, which if you listened to the Devil Wears Rossonero a couple weeks ago before the transfer window closed, yeah, he he would be. I think, I mean, he, the kid's electric, all right? He's fast as hell. Uh, I would love to see him at Milan. And apparently he's going to be, uh, allegedly, he's going to be a January target. Uh, I'm all in on that. I dig that. Bring him in. Let's go. Um, this makes a lot of sense. Checks all the boxes. Young, dynamic, <laughs> pace, right? I know I know that's not what it's all about, but pace is always good. Um, young, dynamic, pace, um, just electric, creative, uh, clinical. I, I love him. I'm high on him. Let's get him in here. Honestly, he's sexier Rebic and much, much better, I think. Um, look, I, I went into Copa America pretty lukewarm on Brazil. I didn't know what to expect. I think in general we got a lukewarm Brazil, but I was watching him and I was just like, okay, I see you. He gave you a reason to watch. He gave me a reason to watch. And I think, look, he's, again, I said sexier Rebic, left-sided, right-footed player. So the mirror of Suso, as I mentioned about Rebic last week, and I thought that was something that gives a new dynamic to the to the attack. I think he's the kind of guy you put on the other side of Suso. You've got unbelievable pace on both sides. You've got skilled dribblers. You've got guys with a sense for flair, good vision, can put the ball in the net themselves. I mean, that that gives a new notch to the attack that I think we've been severely lacking. Uh, he really is the real deal, I think. And I think he's like, if they can get him in January, that's a massive signing. I also really dig the possibility of us adding him when you know that other clubs would love this kid. Like, this screams to me a Real Madrid signing in, like, two years, right? So let's get him now. Um, he was the guy, because remember when the weird oddball or hardball uh, negotiations for Correa that never went through. The second option was Everton, and the general response from Milan Twitter was, "How was he not the first option? Let's get him in here." If it, and uh, one other tweet that I saw was, "If Leonardo was still here, Everton would currently be in an in an AC Milan jersey." B. I think it's absolutely true, but. That doesn't necessarily mean that we'll miss out on him. I wish we brought him in earlier. I, I that would be it would, that would have been great. Uh, I'm okay with. I mean, I'm okay with adding him in January. Let's do that. I'm down. Let's let's make it happen. Um, and introduce the world to Everton Ball instead of Suso Ball. Um, <laughs> the last, uh, which actually kind of sounds like it would be more exciting and probably more goals. Um, <laughs> He'll be Tucker coming in, and it'll all of a sudden be get the ball to Tucker. The only other thing that came up during the international break that we want to mention, but honestly, we're not going to spend too much time on it. Somehow, there is now a debate as to whether Alessio Romagnoli is good. (laughs) (laughs) So, he started the Armenia game. 
uh, for Italy, and he didn't have a great game, admittedly. But, shocker, neither did Italy, because Italy doesn't really have a bunch of very good games anymore. Which It's unbelievable that they're 6-for-6 six six in qualifying. They're also very lucky. Yeah, because when you, if you say, yeah, if you say European powers, right, like, who's a threat to win the next tournament, right? It's, like, all the big European countries except for Italy. It's going to be France, England, Spain, Netherlands, uh, Belgium, and Portugal. You can't say Germany. You can't say Italy. And I've heard people say Germany because it's, like, the pieces are there. They just have to get it together. Um, and as people who watch Italy and like track Italy, I would say that like if they got the gears moving, yeah. But like, like you said, like England, definite threat to win it. Netherlands, back, but like back in competition. Portugal is going to win every single expanded tournament because they just parked the bus. Um, <laughs> joking, they have a lot of really good young talent, and I'm really, I mean, they're they're fun. Because of people like Felix and Hernandez or uh, Bruno Fernandez, and I mean, obviously, sometimes Andre yeah, Silva. If, if Andre Silva shows up, <laughs> um, you know, he might he might not be in Milan anymore, but the handsome reigns on in Portugal. Um, and he's invited yeah. on if they win Euro twenty twenty. Always invited on the podcast. Always, he Andre Silva can come on the podcast whenever he wants. Um, so. But, you know, you go through England, Netherlands, Portugal, Belgium, obviously France, Spain. So there are six, right? And then there's like, oh, yeah, and oh, by the way, Italy and Germany also still exist, right? And I'm scrolling through the fact that, just as an aside, the fact that Germany and Netherlands are in one group in Euro qualifying and then the very next group is Ireland, Denmark, Switzerland, Georgia, and Gibraltar is criminal. Those two teams, Germany and Netherlands, should not be in the same group. I digress. So, our boy Romagnoli, who, and I mean, I guess I have to say allegedly now, uh, is allegedly one of the futures of the Italian national team. Didn't know that was so much of a question, but here we are. Started against Armenia. To give you an idea, he started alongside Leonardo Benucci, someone who Alessio Romagnoli didn't exactly have a good time next to. Um, and so Romagnoli didn't have a great game. Um, and Italy uh, won a rusty 3-1 game in Euro qualifying. And then apparently that sparked the debate whether Alessio Romagnoli is a Zuri class. Um, and then, I mean, the only other thing that you can really say is he did not start against Finland, which makes me concerned that Mancini actually might think that he should not play Romagnoli because he started a Cherby. <sighs> I can't believe I have to say this. Let's get this out of the way. No, a Cherby is not better than Alessio Romagnoli. Romagnoli might have had a bad game in a bad 
it, like in a bad game for a team that's still working out pretty much everything. Yeah, Romagnoli's good. I don't. I don't. I don't understand how you know. I I know that it's international break, and I know we're bored, and I know we're trying to find something, right? Like as U.S. fans, we were hoping that we would see something good against Mexico, and we came away disappointed and mad, right? So I get it. But then when you come out and you just develop this outrageous take of Alessio Romagnoli sucks, I'm done with him, let's move on, and he's not fit for the team, and this team is a complete mess and all this stuff, like, I don't know how we... And, like, the the problem is it's not just someone mentioning this, right? Which I thought it was. Like, people are actually discussing whether Romagnoli's good or not. And it's like, uh, it's a Twilight Zone moment for It's me. honestly mind-boggling. And on how the hell are we having this conversation? This is why you're not on Twitter. Yeah, well, this is one of the many reasons I'm not on Twitter. I mean, I would be, I would be destroying people on Twitter. I would, like, I'd have to, like, wipe out any association to work in my bio or anything like that and just, like scorched earth campaign on this because i mean how do you say this and how are we not having the conversation that maybe Banucci is the problem <laughs> like yes it's already a problem that chiellini is going to be in as going to be out for a long time that's a blow but he's also at the twilight of his italy career anyway Banucci, we know isn't isn't actually chiellini. that good yeah he's not actually that good he's been masked by chiellini and barzali when they played the three back and Buffon behind him. He's good. He's he's very like he's good, but he's not what he used to be. And he hasn't been what he used to be for a long time. Like when he came to Milan, wow. <laughs> like unbelievable. And look, I do have to say real quick. This is a podcast that loves Francesco Acerbi. Um to the former Milan player to go through what he's gone through and still at this point in his career is even part of the Italian national team setup is outstanding. I'm so happy for him. What a story. It doesn't get talked about enough, but so happy for him. I don't think he's better than Romagnoli. I don't think a normal person would consider him better than Romagnoli. I don't know if this stat carried through to the end of the season, but if it didn't, it was very few instances that broke it. Romagnoli was one of only two players, two center backs, in all of Europe's top five leagues to not be dribbled past. Ooh, guess who the other one was? Guess who the other one was? It's Virgil Did you Van know Dyke. that Virgil van Dyke wasn't dribbled past? Sorry, go ahead. Every Liverpool fan will tell you that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> unbelievable. Um, I he's clearly one of the best defensive players, not just in Italy, not just among Italian players, but in the world. And it was clearly evident that he has been an anchor of the Milan back line for the last few years. Like I've I mentioned in the past couple of weeks, that was a top defensive team last year. One of the top four, I think, defenses in all of Italy last season. And it wasn't because of Matteo Musacchio. Uh, Roman Yoli very much carried him. And 
how you can possibly prefer Benucci to him right now and not even consider the fact that Benucci is the problem just blows my mind. I'm really I'm looking at this. Um, like there are people who recognize. I don't know who this person is. I don't think that they're anyone of any sort of import. They're a Liverpool fan account that's got like 15,000 followers. But the conversation was about, this was over the summer when Harry Maguire stupidly became the most expensive center back ever. Because Harry Maguire is not very good either, folks. I just need to clear that up. Like, he's just not. Um, but you know what he is? He's English. Exactly. He's yep. British. Yep. I. So, sidebar real quick. Uh, part of my job at work, I was, uh, we were doing a, segment on the skills and weaknesses of Harry Maguire when this whole thing was going on. And so I had to identify a few different things about his game. And I was going through and looking at old clips from last season at Leicester. I was like, Oh my God, he's really not that good. Like he's decent and he's like, he's big. So he's going to win a lot of 50 fifties in the air and stuff. But my God, the amount of times he was caught out of position, the amount of times he was just left in the dust when he couldn't track that. I mean, it was shocking. His lack of closing speed is something else. <laughs> it's embarrassing. Yeah, and <laughs> it like really we is. troll, we troll about Virgil Van Dyke a lot. I mean, like literally two minutes ago, we're talking about Romagnoli, and Virgil Van Dyke still, still somehow comes up. Like we troll about Virgil Van Dyke a lot, but like he is the best defender in the world. And he is very, very good, right? And he, I, I find him a pretty likable player, right? Um, and I know you're an Everton fan, so I know there's a little bit of a different dynamic there. Like, I, I, I got that. But I really, like, I'm not that bothered. Like, I'm, like, I'm not a huge, like, I'm not, like, a as much an Everton fan as I am a Milan or Orlando fan. But even even if I was, like I, I do care about Everton a lot, but the Merseyside Derby has been so one-sided for so long that it's just you can't really like I mean, and I also jumped in it like a couple of years ago because I needed a Premier League team to support. So I really like that whole hatred isn't really as ingrained in me as much and I enjoy Van Dyke, so I wasn't like I wasn't really feeling one way or another when he left Southampton to go there. Oh, well, fair yeah. enough. But yeah. I, I mean, the, the <laughs> but I get is, what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the thing is Maguire, like no matter how you slice it is no Van Dyke. Like there's nothing, there's no comparison. And I just don't get, because at, at my job, a couple of people called in basically like, Oh, you know, Harry Maguire, blah, blah, blah. And like, I, I don't, I don't get it. But yeah, I mean, you're right. He's British. Yeah, this is from a Manchester United fan who was getting all up in arms. He was like, this was before he signed. He says, name me 10 better center backs in Europe than Maguire, and I'll call you a liar. Van Dyke, yes. Koulibaly, yes. Varane, yes. Then it's debatable. So this person goes, Van Dyke, Varane, Godin, Jimenez, Chiellini, Romagnoli, Alderweireld, Vertonghen, Laporte, Benucci. I don't know how you don't have Koulibaly on that list, but... I mean, I'll give him the benefit of the I'll doubt. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt on that one. But even, like, that 10, all better than Maguire. I don't know how, like, I brought up the Maguire thing yet. But anyway, I'm making a point. This list of 10 players who are definitely better than Maguire. And then on that list, I see maybe three. Not even three. 
better than that Romagnoli. I would take over Romagnoli. I would take Van Dyke barely. Um, not, not barely. I would I, Van Dyke would be first choice for me. Koulibaly. I would. Yep, yeah, Koulibaly would be there. Um, after that, like Godin in his prime, maybe. Um, Keelini in his prime, but not Alderweireld, not Vertonghen. I think Laporte's really good, but I don't think he's a. I don't think you can put him up against Romagnoli and have a clear, like, clear difference. Well, you know, for a lot of these people, it, you can't like they don't see Syria, and like I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt, right? It's a dumb statement, right? But it's a dumb statement to say Romagnoli isn't good. But some of the people. And this is some, all right? Um, I don't think these are the people who manufactured the take, by the way. Um, but they don't get, they don't have a team in Serie A. They think Juventus just bodies the league every year, which they have. Um, but they think it's a one-team league. They think it's a ghost town. They don't watch. They don't have a team. Uh, they don't find it entertaining. They have an English team, and that's pretty much it. And, oh, by the way, um, Romagnoli uh, isn't that highly rated in FIFA. Neither is Milan a good team to play with in FIFA because they've been struggling so much. And if you scroll, in fact, I'm, I'm doing this right now. If you go, so would you bring up the ratings on FIFA? You know how far down you have to go to get to Romagnoli? I I will rattle off the players higher than him, okay? Van Dyke, Ramos, Chiellini, Koulibaly, Godin, Piquet, Hummels, Laporte, Alderweireld, Vertonghen, Thiago Silva, Skriniar, Marquinhos, Umtiti, Benucci, Delict, Lanle, Jimenez, Sula, Varane, Alaba, who is listed as a left back and a center back, Manolas, uh, Lucas Hernandez, Philippe, DeVry, Espilicueta, Jerome Botang, Javi Martinez, Socrates, Pepe, uh, I have no idea who this is. I'm sorry, this is a player who plays for Gremio. Uh, Josu. Oh, okay. So apparently this is just a factory then. Uh, Josu Kiamulera. Uh, uh, Akan- wow, I'm getting killed here. Akanji uh, for Dortmund. Uh, Davidson Sanchez. Jene for Getafe. Uh, uh, and Jonathan Ta. Those are all of the players better than Roman Yoli in FIFA. And if Nicholas Sula and Jonathan Ta have proven anything in the last 7 days, it's that they are the elite of defensive players in the world right now. So according to FIFA, Romagnoli is the 36th best center back in the world, which is I I don't know how FIFA does these things. I it's I try to take FIFA ratings with a grain of salt. I'm not going to be the kind of person who FIFA ratings come out and then I'm going to go on the Messi-Ronaldo war train. Um, 
But, I mean, Van Dyke, I think, was a 79 or a 78, something like that. Maybe lower, like his first year at Liverpool when he first made the move. Um, or in his last season, or his last full season at Southampton. And now he's in 91. Now he's in 91. And I think part of it is, like, the players on the big clubs get a bit of a bump. So whether it's someone who plays for, you know, for Liverpool or Piedmonte Calcio, uh, like Matthijs De Ligt, um, that bad joke about Pez licensing... Um, they're gonna get. No, I I thought it was fun. Oh, I, I, I I enjoyed it. <laughs> I saw the card come out with Ronaldo and a Piedmont Calcio logo next to it. I was just like, okay, uh, value of the game going <laughs> yeah, down. That's uh, I thought Buenos Aires was bad for Boca Juniors last year, but man, um, yeah, I it's you know. There, he's he's not a guy you hear very often in the conversation as one of the world's best center backs, unless it's from someone who truly knows what they're talking about. Like, um, I you don't see enough of him because you don't you don't see him in Champions League um, through no fault of his own. Uh, a lot of people, at least you know, on our side of the ocean where we're following it, are just getting into Syria the last couple of years. Um, so they don't know, like they don't follow Milan as much because they don't consider Milan a club to follow. But man, it is just crazy because, you know, he's, you know, if he ever does, please never let this happen. Make that move over to a Manchester United or a Manchester City. The second he gets in there and the second though all those eyes are on him, people are going to be like, Wow. How have we not seen this guy before? How have we not realized that this is one of the world's best center backs? And we'll be over here like, hey, hey, we've been saying this. I take it, you and me take it with a grain of salt because we're huge Milan fans. But we also, we're not wrong in saying that he is one of the best center backs out there. And he's definitely one of the two best options Italy has. So to bring it back, Italy's problem in the back is not Alessio Romagnoli. It's definitely thinking that Leonardo Benucci is not part of the problem. It's definitely an injury to your longest serving center back. But there's a good crop of young Italian defenders. I don't know how much development we're going to see out of them with Roberto Mancini in charge. Uh, I'm not fully confident that he's going to give Romagnoli and Gianluca Mancini and these other guys that are coming up the the love and the opportunities that they need. I think he's going to see one mistake and he's going to turn away from them. Uh, but of course, look, you know, I, I guess Italy is in a very tough spot right now. A lot of pressure on them after missing the World Cup. Excuse me, after missing the World Cup. But... I don't know. I just think it's absolutely insane that we have to have this conversation. Yeah, it, it is not something that I thought we were going to have to bring up, is that, oh, by the way, Alessio Romagnoli is good. And I know we kind of got into a little bit of the weeds there with the whole 
FIFA and all that stuff, but I Harry Maguire, Harry Maguire. <laughs> but I mean, it's 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 true. Not a lot of eyeballs are on Roman Yoli outside of Syria people, and that's why like the common EPL fan or something is going to be like, oh, Roman Yoli, LOL, plays for Milan. Um, but to see this take emerge, and then people actually kind of go on it, like it's just shocking to me. It just means that you haven't watched AC Milan play. Uh, it means that you are just mad and you're just seeing red and you just don't care. Um, and I mean, it, it's it's just it's erroneous, is what it is. That is it's just wrong. Um, a Cherby again, all props to him. Not to take away from him, but he's not Romagnoli and. To imply that you should move on from Romagnoli now is asinine. It is shocking. So uh, glad we got that out of the way. Um, glad that we were able to hash that out on the podcast, especially when nothing else is happening. But AC Milan back in action Sunday, 2.45 at Verona. Uh, we both have 2-0 positivity podcast. We are going to win this game, uh, I hope. Uh, so we'll... I mean, we'll we'll hope for the best, and we'll hope that when we come back next week, we will have some good things to talk about as we begin the hype, which is already starting, for the Derby against Inter next week. But for now, Tim, thanks a lot for joining me. Really appreciate it. As always, a lot of fun. Always a pleasure. Looking forward to spending Inter Hate Week with you. Oh, Inter Hate Week has already begun in my book because every, every week is inter hate week. every week is inter hate week just like every week is hate penn state week true don't say that though my fiance is going to get mad at me but on that note thank you for listening to the devil wears rossonero on the ac milan offside i'm patrick soul he's tim fontanel at stall underscore p at spn rossonero and acmilan.theoffside.com is where you can find our work thanks a lot for listening on behalf of tim and the staff of the ac milan offside and our new man in charge thanks for listening i'm patrick we'll see you next week